0: Welcome to Health Fail, where we explore failure in healthcare from the highly publicized to the never before told stories of failures that have birthed healthcare transformation and innovation.
1: On this episode of Health Fail, we will sit down with, oh, me, Michelle Nopoon.
0: That's right. We're sitting down together to introduce Michelle as the new co host of the Health Fail podcast. Michelle is based right here in Austin, Texas, and a veteran of the digital health industry. I'm your host, Zach Jiwa.
1: And I'm your new co-host, Michelle Noteboom. We hope you enjoy this episode of Health Fail.
0: Michelle, welcome to the show. And uh, I think really we talk about failure in healthcare, but we also talk about personal failure and wherever we want to go in this conversation. But the first thing that I'd like to do is give you an opportunity to introduce yourself who you are, what you do, what you've done, why would you be an amazing co-host for the Health Fail podcast?
1: Well, I would be amazing, first of all, because I have never experienced failure. So this is gonna be a good opportunity for me to learn about failure. Um, So I have been in healthcare IT my whole career, literally right out of college. Nine years? Yeah, nine, nine, ten, or more. Um, I've, I've started working for a company called well, a company that was eventually acquired acquired by Medic Computer Systems, which was then acquired by Maxis Healthcare, which later acquired AllScripts. So that's now one our of my listeners,
0: history. our listeners are only going to know one of those names, well, probably. No, Maybe there's, know some okay. there's some old timers. There's some old timers. Let's hope we get that, some old timers. So, you going to bring the old timers in?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Because everybody wants to hear back from them what they learned back in the day. So. Basically, uh, I worked in healthcare IT, basically sales for the first part of my career, and then after I left the corporate world, I spent about, I don't know, seven, eight years doing freelancing, working for different publications, either freelancing, I also worked for different vendors, doing marketing communications, and... The last three and a half years, I've been working for a company called Amandola Communications, which is a full-service PR marketing communications firm. Well, that's fitting. It is. So I know you're
0: now in charge of making sure that everybody in the universe hears the Health Fail podcast.
1: Exactly. Yes, I'm gonna. That's gonna be one of my items to promote for sure.
0: Awesome. And so we got to know each other. Hmm.
1: Fifteen years ago, ten. What was before you went to. So DC? let's call it
0: 2005. Okay. We I w- 2004 I think is when we started.
1: Before you went to Seattle.
0: Well, I was going to say we met each other um, over the Hems chapter, some right. Hems chapter social. I was serving probably as secretary or vice president of president of the HEMS board. You were
1: very important. I was
0: very important. One of my friends (laughs) told me recently that uh, I wore mascara and a cape. So that was the impression. I'm no longer important, which is a great (laughs) thing. Once you've been in the industry for a while, you're no longer important. And we met, did you
1: serve on the HEMS board? Oh, no. Mm -mm. No. I, I just went for the free lunch, basically, and the margaritas. Yeah, I, I think I, I
0: think I may have met you at Hula Hut, sitting on um, Lake Austin. Be,
1: that would be probably right. That
0: would have been the right place yeah. to meet you. Um, yeah, so we we've known each other for a long time. Um, you have done so much free work for me.
1: Mm. Yes, I, I think. <laughs>
0: whether is editing payback, <laughs> payback is going to be hell though. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait to pay you. Um maybe healthville will be so successful that we'll we'll get paid on this, but um I'm not counting on that. This is fun. This is a fun thing to do. Um okay, so you uh 14 years of experience together working together in different uh formats and fashions or just drinking margaritas by the lake. Um You talked about my You talked about all scripts. You were once a, is this a trivia question? You were once a pretty well-known personality that no one knew about. Can we talk about uh, that?
1: We can talk about, I was well- Because I didn't know,
0: I didn't know this. How long were you doing this?
1: So I, um, I wrote for his talk, H-I-S talk for some, um, under the name of Inga, for I think seven years.
0: Okay, so I've known I knew you all of those seven years, and his talk was a mystery for me, <laughs> and I had no idea that you were writing for it. So, talk a little bit about that experience if you can, and how being the mysterious Inga, his talk um, played out, and maybe maybe there's some failure there, maybe not. But tell us about that experience, writing as a as a shadow, and not being able to tell anyone who you were.
1: Um. It, it was a lot of fun for a, a long time, and what it, well, it's it was fun because of the mistake. And I would have people just kind of weirdly idolize me and want to be my best friend, you were my or want to be I was my like, girlfriend, who is this woman? or you know, or
0: I think your icon was like, uh, was it a red stiletto heel or something? like that? one of okay, yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, I, I in the little image looked like me, but more if I were a very young Barbie doll. Yeah. So I look pretty hot.
0: I wondered every time I went to what what did, what do did you call that uh, party at hims? His was talk.
1: It, his his talk. Oh, his
0: talk-a-palooza. Yeah. yeah, I was always looking for Inga, and, and you were always right there. I was
1: always saying hi. <laughs> I was like, you
0: had no idea. <laughs> had no idea.
1: Yeah. So it was fun. I got to meet some. Uh, I've got to meet a lot of very interesting people along the way, and that was that was fun. That that was probably the best part. Meeting um, so many people and so many diverse sectors of healthcare so um, when i grew up basically working in the ambulatory care space selling emrs practice management systems but when i went to um you know his talk i, I learned all about the healthcare um the hospital space learned a whole lot about policy which i didn't know anything about but i found fascinating and it was an interesting time because it's just when meaningful use was rolling out and everything else. So, um, it really helped give me much wider breadth of knowledge of the whole industry.
0: Yeah. And it says here in your bio that I'm just reading that you've, um, uh, you've been a publication specialist or communications specialist for a number of IT publications, healthcare IT news, HL7 standards, the healthcare blog, uh, a lot of these. So you've been writing, not only in your in your day to day, but you've been a contributing author mm-hmm. in a lot of those publications. Yeah. yeah. And so mostly what you wrote about were healthcare IT, what's new in healthcare IT. I probably read a lot Everything. of your articles and I didn't know anything about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right? No, it was all it's. That's all I know. I don't know anything else about besides healthcare IT. Do. So yeah. Don't ask me any trivia questions. Well, we can't
0: talk about healthcare policy. You said uh, you're about bit healthcare bit policy. Yeah, awesome. All right. So, first question, we're not we're going to save personal failure for last so you can think about it. But <laughs> um uh so you spent a lot of time in healthcare technology, watching the progression of healthcare and healthcare technology. Um how what is your perspective on the challenges in healthcare what you've seen for the last, you know, 20 years? Um, working for healthcare technology vendors, working in, in PR and communications, working in sales. Um, give me the current status in healthcare and what you think about it and, and as it pertains to failure. I think, you know, part of the context of this podcast is, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people talking about, and, and if you look at LinkedIn, if you look at you know, healthcare IT news, there's there's all sorts of praise for how we're progressing in healthcare. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, um, history just seems to repeat itself over and over again in this industry. We're spending billions and billions of dollars, um, in, in healthcare, um, trillions of dollars, maybe in healthcare. And we're not, we don't seeming, we're not seemingly making a lot of progress. It's, you know, a different administration doing a different thing. that's exactly the same thing as they did, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But tell me from what, from your vantage point, what you've seen, the progression of healthcare, how technologies influence healthcare, Um, You know, where have we been and where are we going?
1: Let me approach that by talking first about healthcare IT in general and and taking it from that perspective. I don't know if you've read the, I can't remember who wrote it, but the article Death by a Thousand Clicks, Mm -hmm. which was a great article. And I mean, it's about how... EHR based, yeah. Tell us about failed. it because I haven't read it. You haven't our, read it. our, ah, well, our listeners
0: probably haven't either.
1: Well, everybody needs to read that. It's published in Forbes and Kaiser, and uh, there's two authors whose names I don't recall. We'll provide but, that
0: resource uh, in the links. Yeah, but below. it's
1: it's basically it was about how the evolution of, of EHRs, especially since Meaningful Use, and and how we rolled all these systems out that. Didn't necessarily that work for physicians and caused all sorts of safety risks and whatnot, um, and the failures of interoperability and everything else. And in my perspective on that is, I think we have to look back. Maybe we have failed, or maybe Mm -hmm. we just haven't um, achieved everything we've wanted yet. We'd still we still have a ways to go. I think that's probably a better way to look at it, mm-hmm. that we're just not there yet, but I think we're on a path. I mean, we what, what was EHR adoption 20 years ago was, or even if you go back to 2009 when the Affordable, the Affordable Care Act passed. High tech. High tech. Yeah. Um, when that passed, you know, adoption rates were, what, maybe 40% in hospitals. And,
0: much lower. Or, much much lower
1: or they actually the other way around anyway. And now we're, you know, it's ubiquitous, ubiquitous. Everybody has EHRs basically. So we've
0: succeeded. 83%, I think, or maybe 87%. So that was a, that was an interesting timeframe. Um, you know, if I go back to your MySis days, that's actually whenever I got into the, the business in the industry. And of course the EHR business didn't exist because, you know, uh, uh, um, who was it uh, President George Bush said EHR out loud. I, I think everyone will agree that whenever he said EHR, he meant what we would con- what we would articulate as a personal health record these mm-hmm. days. And so we were selling EMRs. We were selling EMRs, the EMR systems um, with an ROI that uh, that it's going to save HIPAA, your HIPAA world right no, That was before HIPAA no, well, well in, yeah, in, in, of, in my yeah. time frame, 1999, I, I remember True. the very specific reason that we started building an EMR. And it was because HIPAA was being um, implemented past, I think, in 96, if I'm not mistaken. But the date for implementation of HIPAA was 2000 or 1999. Mm-hmm. And we had physicians who were in practice concerned about, you know, the doctor who took charts in their backpack home sure. and lost it. And there was no auditability of what was happening. Is that a word? No, Audit- I don't think so. Auditability. I just made it up. If it's not a word, we're going to fact-check UI. that one. Okay, um, and that's why we built EMRs. In um, the ROI at that point in time, I can remember, uh, we, we kind of scrapped it together was was all around HIPAA and securing records, but it was a cost plus to their to their business, and so we would suggest that you could replace, um, you know, two or three staff by implementing an EMR, and that wasn't true at all. One because Um, the front desk person that was intake or the practice manager, whoever was managing charts was either, you know, aunt Betty, or it was the doctor's wife in a small practices. Mm -hmm. And so we had a real hard time selling ambulatory practices, EMRs with an ROI that you basically be staff augmentation, or you would take away staff needed because the doctors were rather attached to their staff. And then 10 years later. In 2009 as you're talking about now there were huge government incentives to okay. adopt EHRs and I think that's why our friend Stephen Palmer would disagree with the statement but I think a government incentive um, to adopt an EHR was part of the impetus to to ramp up
1: absolutely I mean but I will I will say even back at I mean, you were 12 when I started selling EMRs, basically, probably. That. That's okay. um, <laughs> but,
0: I'm on the cusp of being a millennial, so, but not quite a millennial.
1: Okay. Well, anyway, so, you know, we would sell, we would promote the idea. Yeah, you could say staff, but you could also repurpose staff. But one of the big things, you can get rid of that big, humongous chart room, mm. which were expensive. So that that was a, a win Make there. it a patient room? Make it to convert it to the patient <laughs> room exactly. So you know that, that was wins. So there were wins there, although it was it was more of a you know award processor to store your cha- your charts electronically. There was no idea of longitudinal records or anything like that. That was way before that initially. But to your point, yes, you know I think having the carrot and the stick certainly accelerated things, um, and I think that that was. A, it, for that purpose, it worked great. Now, what we did wrong, we-
0: I'm We not, as an industry? We as an industry uh-huh. did
1: wrong, is that we we failed to really think about how, what's the impact on the physician, the clinicians? And we're forcing the EMR vendors to just develop, 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 to meet the incentives, right? To make, so they can make incentives, um, Without really thinking about is this product usable for a clinician and mm-hmm. how is it going to impact their uh, ability to see patients and their workflows and is it going to slow them down and, and you know, heck yeah it slowed them down and, and so I think well the we other that out.
0: the other problem the other problem that we had is we were building EMRs on practice management systems all which,
1: geared to billing
0: all ge- geared to billing which was and probably still is if we're if we're going to speak truth here, still the most important thing that happens in a practice.
1: Absolutely. Right.
0: But what I hear you saying, and I think this is, you know, the articulation of failure um, in this particular, you know, niche or or area of healthcare is that we raced to the industry raced to meet a demand that was uh, heavily articulated by the government carrot and stick incentives. And, to, to meet, you know, however many measures there were that we had to meet in an EMR or EHR. And we really didn't think about usability. We didn't think about workflow. We didn't think about designing something that a physician would use. Um, I, my perspective is that we actually built it for the use of physicians. And part of the policy problem was requiring physicians to use it in the first place. When the workflow of physician practice, even still today, is the administrative staff does most of the work. Um, I mean, I remember in 2004 when I was working for a physician office, um, you know, we were still in the transcription days. And I wonder, often wonder how many doctors still transcribe versus doing their notes. I in think there's still quite a few. Or they
1: use Dragon. or, or yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But um, the support staff, the nurses, the MAs, the, you know, administrative folks in the office were really who was using it. Right. And so um, we didn't consider, not only did we not consider the doctor's user experience, but we really didn't think through the the practice um, experience as well.
1: And also arguably the, those systems weren't really designed to um, make the job, doctor's job easier or improve patient care. Now, now we're coming out with new things that will Prompt without giving them a bazillion alerts that you know interrupt things, but giving them prompts that may help them improve the whole care care process, um, get patients more engaged, or give them pricing information on a on a med, or you know, su- suggest that oh wait, did you know that they had you know a bruise on their left elbow two two weeks ago. Then now it's on their right elbow. I mean, you know, whatever, just yeah. to prompt them that things are relevant clinical information and helping them with clinical decisions, support and pathways and all that. I think we're, we're integrating a whole lot of that much better than we used we did. We didn't really have, I mean, it's, it's an evolution. We couldn't do all that day one.
0: Yeah. Well, so I'm going to throw something out there that, that will be, um, uh, you know, conversation topic, uh, probably for a lot of physicians now, but it's, it's certainly cutting edge. Now we're integrating a lot of interesting stuff into the platforms
1: um,
0: in front of a physician. Um, But we're, we've also advanced technology in so many ways that, um, you know, there's the conversation of AI, there's the conversation of um, a lot of this work being done on the, on the provider's behalf where they don't really have to be involved. Do you see that? Do you think, that there is a threat in the provider community that the robot or the technology is going to take their place? Or do you think that we're just now getting to the place where technology is alleviating all of that uplift, all of that pain, all of that extra work that a provider um, has had to do over the last 10 years because they adopted an EHR that, that creates net plus work for them?
1: Uh, I think that it's going to help with, some of the workflow issues, but when I walk into do you, do you think doc- doctors
0: see technology
1: as a threat? I'm sure there's some that do, but but when I, when my doctor walks in, he he looks me in the eye and he asks me how I'm doing, and he may read all sorts of stuff about me that are machines can never do that. Yeah, you know, be able to interpret all those things they learn in medical school, it's not just, it's, you know, my, if I came in with a broken arm, that's one thing, but if it's something else, you're not going to immediately be able to decipher what, you know, what am I worrying about money today? Did I lose my job or do do I have something else on my mind? Just all those other factors that influence, you, you know, your wholeness, your, the outcomes right you know if i'm mentally not healthy the whole person my well, whole person right yeah. if i'm mentally not healthy or emotional all these other issues that might be standing in the way of, of a good outcome
0: yeah it reminds me it reminds me of i think probably 2006 or 2007 so this would have been pre-high tech but post a lot of uplift and adoption of of ehr systems Um, I was here in Austin at the time and I went in for, I went into an orthopedic doctor to see about my shoulder and I've had, you know, a couple of traumas on my shoulder. We can talk about that in another episode of (laughs) Health Fail because, yeah. Um, But I remember walking into this orthopedic clinic and seeing the doctor and he had an EHR he had the he had the uh, like this whole setup mounted on the wall and it was the most fascinating experience because i walked into the 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 patient room sat down you know took vitals and all those sort of things and shortly thereafter you know that was the nurse taking in kind of the intake shortly thereafter the doctor walks in and his nurse walks over you know adjacent wall to where we were and sat down and just started typing, just started doing the work that we kind of expect doctors to do on an EHR. Mm -hmm. And It was actually the best experience that I've ever had with a physician Mm -hmm. working with an EHR. I mean, I've got four kids, so I've had lots of experiences with doctors working Mm -hmm. with an EHR, but this one, again, pre-high tech, pre-government incentives, this Mm -hmm. doctor had adopted an EHR, but he also had a dedicated resource Um, you know, an MA Mm -hmm. probably, that sat down and typed just about everything that he was saying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he clearly probably not had, didn't have, didn't have to go do transcription or um, uh, dictation Mm -hmm. afterwards. Everything was stored in the record. And I thought to myself, it was a pleasant experience because the doctor was just looking at me and talking to me. And every Mm -hmm. once in a while he would, you know, turn over his shoulder and say something to the, to the MA typing. And like everything was done, everything was documented when I was out of the room, but I had this great experience with Mm -hmm. the doctor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with four kids and other, you know, 10 years of of healthcare experience, I've never quite had that good of an experience Mm -hmm. um, because it was always a doctor trying to fidget with an EHR with his tablet right there and, Mm -hmm. you know, looking down. The, the tablet in front yeah. of me and not having a great experience. And I, I've thought, you know, I know the reason why, um, that experience was what it was. It was in Westlake right here where we're sitting. And it was a pretty wealthy orthopod with a specialty mm-hmm. that could afford the extra overhead to mm-hmm. just get his work done. And I've, I've never forgot that experience of, Hey, we can actually build. That's more of a human, um, uh, human experience because mm-hmm. I'm sure the EHR was probably all scripts and it was terrible user interface. I'm kidding. Um, maybe I'm not kidding. But uh, but the human experience was still there and yeah. I think that's what we've lost a lot of in, in healthcare.
1: But there are patients probably like me not maybe and maybe I, these these what do we call them? What's after the millenniums? The youngsters. The youngsters. After though, the exactly. millennials? Oh, whatever. Yeah. The youngsters Zennial,
0: coming up. Zennials?
1: You know I look at my doctors that are're are looking at their they do their I think there's a way. there is a, a way that you can doc chart chart your do the documentation while the patient's in front of you and still give them plain attention but I I like that because the, the doctor I know that the doctor's looking at my record and looking at the history and it's all right there probably better than it would be if he's or she's sure. flipping through the chart, through the chart, through the chart. So I don't mind it. I, 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 feel like it's probably advancing care. But then I, that's my tainted I've grown jaded, up in a, because I've jaded because you've been in it so I'm long. Jaded. I think technology is good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Cool. Well, let's transition. I want to make sure that we stay on time and on topic here. Um, I, Why don't you talk about just further kind of introducing yourself? Um, I bet you probably can't mention names of of organizations and companies that you work with in your current role. But why don't you um, talk about what you see in the industry? What's what's fascinating to you about the work that you're doing at Amendola and maybe some of the clients without mentioning their names, some of the things that they're doing that you just find like super fascinating Mm -hmm. out front, outpacing the rest?
1: Hmm. Um. I think they're all in one way or the other. I I get geeked when I see some of those things they are doing. One of the one of the clients I work with is does NLP natural language processing mm-hmm. text mining
0: not neuro linguistic programming. No. Something different it's completely. Different. Yeah. Natural language, language processing,
1: processing text mining. So in other words, we have all these blobs and blobs and blobs of data that we've now we've created right right
0: unstructured text unstructured text sitting in the EHR and
1: I think actually I think that whole data thing is just that's the frontier How are we going to tackle that data? But so this one client. Well, if
0: we would have, to your point, if we would have designed systems in the first place to be better, there wouldn't be a bunch of unstructured text data, right?
1: Well, but we we were just trying to put information in there anyway. Now we're doing something cool with it. Now, but now we can do something cool with it. So what they do is they have. It's used by healthcare providers. It's used by pharma research companies that will look at an EMR record, a lab test, a discharge, or a look at call center records, or, you know, voice of the consumer, all all this type of information, and rather than manually going through record, 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 and and have all these, you know, you probably have to have a nurse staff to do that, somebody, not just a a clerical staff, and it it finds there, and you can do queries, um, certain ontologies that are out there, and, and it finds the information much, much faster right. way to do it. So it's a way of researching and calling out, making the information useful so you can get good insights from the data. So I think that's, that's a whole, that whole realm is super interesting to me. And I have a, another customer I, I work with that kind of approaches that big data stuff from a whole other perspective. You know, how do I take all this data and put it in a structured format? So I think there's all so many different ways that people are trying to do that right now. And I don't know that we have one secret sauce yet. And I don't know that there needs to be just one yeah. way to do it. But I think that's one of the most interesting areas that I'm seeing right now.
0: Yeah, that should, um, that should really put our physicians in a place where they don't have to call through or look through all this historical data, but, you know, maybe Alexa or, you know, some... Automated voice thing, you know, gives them a download of what's relevant, what's really important, because we've taken unstructured data and actually turned it meaningful, so that, yeah. so that I can see at a glance. Well, thanks for taking the time to do an intro. Again, welcoming my new co-host Michelle Noteboom. Thanks for being on the show today, and I look forward to co-hosting this podcast Health fell with you going forward in the future.
1: I can't wait. Thank All you.
0: All right.